Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host. Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Babin. You just got distracted on your intro. What happened? I was trying to do, uh, you know, like the Doppler effect? The like, like race car, the... Like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was clever. That was like a... Yeah, that was, we went back to, back to analog audio production just there. Yeah, No yeah. digital effects here. Yeah, oh, no. I was yeah. like going way close, 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 close. You were working the board by hand there. Yeah. No digitizing. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was all me, everybody. All me. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome back, Kessler. Welcome back from Thanks. Asia. Thank you. you still jet lag? Uh, yeah. Last night was pretty good. We're up at seven in the morning though today, so yeah. like I think I would be tired now, no matter so what we did. Kind of counteracting your jet lag a little bit by go- recording at an odd time. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe making it worse. Maybe we'll find <laughs> making out. you more tired. Uh, we had a lot of fun in your absence. Corey and I hung out. I heard. Great. I heard. Yeah. How dare lot. you have fun without me? It I want. Cool. I want all episodes where I'm out of town <laughs> to be depressing and about dark things. Well, he's really good at magic, and that makes me feel inferior. So, you know, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, all true things. Yeah. All true things. All right, so today we uh, we have two things to talk about. First, since I'm back, and you didn't really talk about it last week, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the band announcement. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, well, we we like we, like did our like sort of two three minutes on each point last week. Yeah. But I think it's important that you and I kind of do the little more in depth discussion, and then also the uh, the new band announcement as far as like when those announcements are going to sure. happen. That's worth touching on as well. So yep. And then and then we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna do our big Kaladesh review. Um, Aether Revolt. And when I say Kaladesh, I mean Aether Revolt. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a new thing, isn't it? Well, you did, did it, last night. you did it nine times on the phone last night, and I didn't rec- I didn't correct you a single time just because I was like, he's just tired. I'll, I'll just let him go with this. Yeah, so I apologize <laughs> to everyone on the podcast. Please don't send us letters complaining that I said Kaladesh instead of Aether Revolt. I mean Aether Revolt. Please don't stage a palace sage because you're upset about it. It's a it's a sage of Epitir. Or it is a sage of Epitir. It is a sage it's of It's a siege of Epitir. <laughs> uh Siege Rhino. Sage Rhino. Let's move on. All right. So, ban list announcement. We got Gitaxian Probe was banned. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the big points, uh, I will talk for just a second unless you run because we did this last week. But I'm running. Uh, like jog? Jogging? Yeah. <laughs> you know, probe, it, like basically the, the biggest thing that comes out of the probe ban is that you take away, you take the legs out of some of the sort of more uh, momentum-based semi-combo aggressive decks. So like Death Shadow Zoo, uh, decks like that that sort of they want that critical mass. Um, decks like Storm get a little worse because of it. But... In fact, it'll still survive. In fact, just has less information. The reason it was banned was because it made for degenerate games where information was too present and the gameplay and the gamesmanship isn't there and it's unnecessary. So, um, I don't think I don't think that really we're looking at anything that destructive in modern with the with the banning of probe. I think it's probably a correct move. My one part about it, I said this last week, but uh, I'll say it again that it makes me really sad is that. It probe was that card that like could smooth out any number of cool brews. I always felt like there was there was always like you need a way to trigger something for free, or you need to be able to go all in on turn three on something. You know, tapping out and like knowing if you can or can't. Um, but that's just selfish because <laughs> there are better things Ooh. to do that. And there with. there are, there are like weird replacements. You still have um, it's peak the, for one mana. Well, yeah, the the zero mana artifact that um. 
Bobble, Mistress Bobble. Yeah, Mistress Bobble. You have uh, the black cycling for two life. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, those cards are all still. They're just they're just random cards that still. I mean, th- this has been talked to death a little bit, so I don't want to be too redundant with what the world has said over the last three weeks. Gitaxian Probe makes the like is why there are so many Delve cards banned in modern. I mean, like right. the fetch lands are also, and they like are will probably still stay banned. It's not the only reason, but it's you know it breaks Delve in half. It um, the big thing this does make you know a lot of those prowess decks worse. Um, but I think modern is being shifted with all of these. Like I think there's a ton of cards in this new set that also affect it that I like don't know where. Like I don't think blue red decks are no longer gonna, like it. Like black is now getting better because of fatal push and just like there's so many other things going on. Uh, Frixie man is an inherently unfair mechanic. Agreed. It, it, like it, like and people are like, well, but this isn't the powerful thing. This is just like a weird dirtily card deck filler thing. And like it, free spells are problematic. This allows decks like Infect and Death Shadow to just go in. Because they know, oh, they don't have a removal spell. So I can't bluff my way around Gitaxian Probe. And I feel bad for Storm players. I, like, literally, for three days in Hong Kong, but, like, when I got to Hong Kong, the, like, the Legendary Cube or whatever the, the Holiday Cube ended. And I was like, oh, I have nothing to do. I, I might as well, like, I found I was like, all right, you know what? Storm and Thing Ascension are both blue-red decks that I can, like, invest into the fetch lands for Moto. Um and just they're cheap decks to pick up. So for, you know, I'm going to buy them. So I bought both spending like 300 bucks as like a Christmas gift to myself. And cause I needed something to do when I was in Hong Kong at night, tired and having to work the next day. And then they banned storm and thing basically banned both decks. Cause yeah. the taxi probe is like <laughs> to both of them. I mean, we talked a lot last week on the combo episode about how the difference between traditional combo decks and momentum based decks and we you and I have had this conversation a number of times about how even like a deck like burn could be characterized as combo in some ways because it's like a turn four kill mm-hmm. that's based on redundancy um, redundancy and momentum yeah. the number of things you draw that all string together for the appropriate amount of mana so I think when you look at the the trickier versions of that that idea if, if, if let's just say burn is the simplest version of that the trickier version of that is a deck like death shadow zoo uh, the fact that it speeds everything up, Probe just makes you play a 56-card deck that makes most of your cards cheaper in Delve, mm-hmm. is the reason that card has to go. It just makes things kind of stupid fast and stu- and the information too available. Yeah, and I think I think there's like a few options. I think instead of playing four Gitaxian Probe, they'll probably play a split of different stuff effects. I, like, I, don't, I think just this slows the form. Like, Gitaxian Probe was speeding the format up. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the one place for me for probe that like I remember building. I was trying to remember this just a second ago when I was talking about a brew, but I remember when we were talking on here a while back about that blue white deck that wanted to play Steal the Godhead and Geist, and mm-hmm. I remember that deck played uh, Disrupting Shoal in the main, and I think it played three or four of them. And one of the reasons you could justify playing it was because you had four probe in the main deck. And the idea was that you would always have probe early on to draw you into your third color because you also play Thoughtseize and stuff. Were you playing Serum Visions back then? I think so. But the, okay. but the idea was you could either burn it early and go with your A game plan, or if you didn't need to, you could hold on to it to go all in with your, your, with your steel or your whatever. And there, are, there are other one drop... But but with Shoal, like it, I always thought that it was like the the valuable thing because you both had the information of seeing what was in their hand if you wanted to hold a Shoal or to pitch it to Shoal if you oh, had yeah. both. I'm not I'm not saying it's not powerful. I'm saying that the fringe uses of it don't 
excuse it for the absolutely it, yeah, should, yeah. it, it needed and to the fact that. that you're like oh i could put it in this deck for free and there's no cost and yes. I can put it in that deck for free with exactly. no cost means it's probably too good uh as far as grave troll which is the other modern card that was banned i've been i've been discussing that i think narcomeva was a more interesting ban card the ban from the deck i think between the two of them it's a card that you know, Grave Troll is just going to be replaced by Thug. It's going to be way worse, but it's not going to. The deck isn't going to be way worse. That just it's going to feel way worse. And and I wouldn't be surprised if Dredge tops eight top eights within the next couple GPs, just because people will forget it's a thing, thinking the band killed it. And it's like no, the Thug and Grave Troll aren't that much worse. And uh, like Thug is five or four, four, four. But they'll they'll play like more conflagrate. They'll play more. Um, Life lo- from the loam, yeah. life of the loam, and more thugs, and just like the deck will be fine. It's gonna, gonna be as good, yeah. But, uh, that's but the it'll, point. it'll, that's, and, that's and that and it slows it down, which is fine and good for the format. Uh, I do think that getting rid of because I think Narcomiba is also replaceable, but it makes it less like oh, I like my deck does its thing and I win accidentally yeah. versus Grave Troll, which kind of more the tail end of Grave Troll was an interesting play pattern. The fact that it allowed you to play it. At on turn five as just a big dude once you get the five mana and the slow play like yes it drew you a bunch of cards but because there's so many replacement effects versus Narcabeeb is a card that like literally doesn't work like a magic card should yeah right and like that's a card that I feel like breaks the game more but Man, whatever it, I mean I get it what sets it from future, future site <laughs> yeah yeah the coolest, uh, the coolest set ever the most interesting for modern deck building set ever and one of the more unfair sets ever printed so then beyond that, the banning announcements, the Emrakul and Thopter bans, and oh, there's the blue-white guy that I always forget because it seems silly that he's banned. Uh, blue-white guy. Yeah, the the Meddling Mage um, Manowar. He's Yeah, Meddling Mage Manowar. Uh, oh, what's his oh, name? Oh, in Standard you're talking about. Sorry, yeah, 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 Reflector yeah. Mage. You're yeah, about. Reflector Mage. Thank I'm you. sorry. I thought you were talking about uh, like like modern bands in history, and I was like, what, Emrakul? What? What am I missing? Yeah, yeah, um, Standard. Yeah, yeah, Reflector Mage. The other half of this band announcement. Yeah, we t- yeah. so Reflector Mage was banned, Emrakul was banned, and Smuggler's Copter was banned, and all three, we talked at that on here as well, and all three have been like, there was like no outcry that those were bad bannings. Those were all like... Emrakul. Uh, there's reflector mage. People have been kind of resistant to the big outcry is that what this signifies is wizards is now changing their banning policy to be a little bit more um, have less barrier. Like they're more willing to ban cards in standard now. That's basically been their statement. Is like we're going to start banning cards in standard. Not only that, they're going to hyper accelerate it because they're not going to have two banning cycles, banning days per cycle. So there's going to be a banning list announcement before. Yeah. Uh, the pre-release, a week before the pre-release, and now uh, two weeks after the Pro Tour. So you're going to have two different opportunities where cards are going to be banned um, in Standard and Modern and every other format, but specifically Standard is the one that it's probably most relevant to. Um, I did have a really good discussion with Josh Lee Kwai, a friend of the podcast from the Command Zone, on how a ban announcement is probably less damaging the Standard than Modern. Um, because even though like classically there's been a lot more bands in modern because they need them because it's a, a, a non-rotating format versus standard where it's so rare because a banning kind of shakes buyer confidence and suggests that they made a, a real mistake. They're pretty transparent about eternal formats and not testing for them. Yeah, standard they like actively put effort into. Yeah, my kind of argument on that is these are cards that. We're always loose and like are, are like on sand 
uh, as far as value anyways. Like the investment into a standard card is always an investment based on it rotating eventually. Yeah. Uh, yes, it might happen more often. But then also with inventions being included in every set, card value is going to be suppressed a lot more. Um, just in general, that's something that's going to be true. Right. I also think this is a response to the like very wonky rotation changing. Uh, yes, so definitely. it was one rotation, and then they designed sets based on that rotation existing, yeah. and then they decided that that rotation was a problem, so they switched back to the old way. But that means at least for another year, we have sets that were printed in power levels with a faster rotation in mind. So I think, I, and I'll give credit to Top Level Podcast here, because I'm pretty sure it was Flores who said this on the podcast, but because of that cycle changing, um, I do think that they are look, they looked at it and they just said, you know what, this card has already been oppressive. People are already annoyed about this card. Like, it's already not fun to play against. That if you're looking at having to have this around for another, what, six months, nine months? Nine months. Nine months. Um, I think they were just sort of like, we didn't design this way. We don't want people to get right. this frustrated. Um, and that's, I think, why that card's gone. Where, where I think with Copter, you're just looking at one of the most efficient cards printed and standard in a long time. Copter and Emrakul made sense to me. Emrakul's like very quick. Emrakul is the weird one because it would have rotated on schedule. Yeah. Because uh, the, now the summer set rotates when it was always supposed to rotate. Right. Um, versus... This set, which like, and, and, and specifically, you know, Kaladesh, which is, you know, Thopter gain an extra six months. Yeah. Any card from Oath of the Gatewatch and Battle for Zendikar gain an extra six months. Yeah, because, I mean, the other thing is, like, again, like, it's such a powerful story card that it's very weird to see it banned out of standard. Mm -hmm. That's, like, that's, like, in today's magic, that's not the way they handle things. They really don't like ditching those cards. I think Jace, mm -hmm. was, Jace was the lesson learned. It was, like, we don't want a face of a set. We don't want the flagship card to be taken out of people's hands and the value to be just completely just, just boned because, like, come on. It's on the face of packs. It's on the face of boxes. That's yeah. what kids are buying these for. I mean... Liliana is technically the face of that set. Obviously, Emrakul is Emrakul, and like, there's. I'm not disagreeing that he's a, she's an important part and face of the the block that Emer she was you in. You know that Emrakul yeah, is yeah. the face. Uh, but a won a pro tour. A it was kind of a big thing in decks. B it's miserable to play against. Apparently, didn't win a pro tour. Or I lost to Liliana the pro tour. Yeah, uh, wasn't it two control decks in the no. finals? In in uh in the um there was the, the three color control deck. No, it was two control decks in the finals. No, no. Pro Tour, Pro Tour, Eldritch Moon, Liliana versus Emrakul faced off, and one of them won. I forget which one it was. Oh, I was thinking the last. I was thinking no, the no, last no. Pro Tour. I'm talking about that one. Got it. Okay. The one that is irrelevant to yeah Emrakul specifically. Okay. All right, Keep moving going. on. <laughs> um, it's a it's a. I get where they were coming from on the card. I, I, I see where they had a problem where the format was pushed in a specific way that they were going to lead in the situation. The format is going to be better for it. I, I think I am excited to see what Wizards does with Standard with them willing to ban cards more often. I think this is the happy medium between hyper-rotation and non-hyper-rotation. Um, and this is kind of what that is, is now they have the ability to, we can make cards a little bit more exciting. If they get problematic, we have better valves to deal with them. And we're now a little bit more willing to push stuff in standard. And I'd rather do cool stuff. I've always said this, like I'd, I'm glad Eldrazi winter happened from the perspective that I'm glad that colorless mana Eldrazi were pushed the way they were. And we just had to wait for Ivan to go away. And I think wizards learned from that lesson that now we have that post pro tour ban announcement because of Ivugan. Yeah, that's think, where that came from. I think also on the on the uh, Emrakul front, and we'll touch on uh, Copter here in a second. But on the Emrakul front, you know, Corey I think said this maybe not on the show, but maybe on like a Facebook post. But he was just like, "Look, if 
if Emrakul had been legal, I probably would have just sleeved up Marvel. He's like, there's a good chance I would have just played it at the Pro Tour, I think is what he posted. Yeah, and, I saw this. And, you know, when that's the case, and I watched a lot of that last Pro Tour. I mean, I watched, I think, the entire top eight. That's the one that I was confused that we were just talking about. And I got to say, like, watching the Marvel deck play against the deck that can beat it was awful. Watching it win was awful. Like, it was like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's interesting. Sure. It's interesting enough the first time. So it was like, Ooh. I was, I was day compelling. one. The deck is interesting. Day three, it's and not. It, and it, yeah, the top eight of a pro tour. It's, it's like, you're like, okay, I, now I get the game. So, and this is a top eight of pro tours. So I'll watch this. But if I had to do that, a second pro tour top eight, if that was the thing, I would be like, no, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. It would be the same thing as if we had to watch Eldrazi winter a second time. It would be like, this was so crazy and innovative the first time. Right. If, if there's another modern pro tour, which there never will be, but, and that same thing happens, you're like, somebody's not doing their job because yeah. this is redundant. So moving on to Copter, um, my called shot that you weren't here for is that that is going to be a big modern card. I think the fact that it was banned out of standard is... I it think needs to find a correct home. I think it's the push over the edge that maybe... Mm-hmm. But I, honest to God, think, and I know this is the Homer talking, Grand Architect decks. That card is so, so good with Grand Architect. Think about is that. Is it good with Grand Architect? I, I'm not... like I am... We will get to this because we. I think we need to move on to our set yeah. review because we're running out of time um, or our time is going to get tight. But I think that... Why is it good in Grand Architect? It's not a creature, so it doesn't help you cast spells. This and is, so this is what I think. So I think you have to tap you... a creature that you use as a mana source instead to crew it. Okay, so it... turn two. So turn two, you play it mm-hmm. right, which then curves directly into your turn three architect, which crews it, then attacks. Or turn three, you play your architect, which then taps to cast it. So and the fact I that I get it's that it's a art... two mana artifact, but like and once it's a creature, because you can turn it blue, it dodges bolt. So they can they can target your architect if they want, right? And hopefully you've got yeah. But Bolt's getting worse. Fatal Push still dies. I mean, it's not getting worse, but like with Fatal Push being added to the format, there's a whole other removal spell you have to worry about. Agreed. I don't know. I'm not telling you this is the tier one deck. I'm saying that. I oh think- no, I, we're going to talk about how much I think Grand Architect is sweet now. But that's a different card that's making me think that than I think Thopter, that- which and like Copter, the decks Copter. that the decks that Copter is good in aren't as combo-y, dirtily as, as yeah. Grand Architect is. You want it in, like, sure. aggressive decks or can... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I see it there. I, I think that card's really good. I think that card's good enough to play in Modern. I think it will be played in Modern. I think it has a unique ability. I think, I think it's a cool place to put in the Dredge, actually. But that's where I was thinking of throwing in a copy or two. Because you can crew it with Narcomibas or anything that you have, yeah. and it is a discard outlet. Yeah. It's really good. I we'll we'll see what happens with it. That was what was my called shot. I, and rarely are mine right. Yours are always always closer. But I think that card's just bananas. And I, I think, also think black white tokens. Yeah, totally. And I think black white tokens got better because of the white expertise. Yeah. So, and you can cast this off the white expertise even. So I think mm. there's definitely there's definitely places to play here. Uh, I just don't know if I agree specifically with the grand architect call. Yeah, and I, I'm not even I'm not even saying Grand Architect as a call right now is a wrong call. I'm just saying <laughs> that Copter and Grand Architect is wrong. Yeah. All right. So I almost just corrected you and told you it was called Thopter. I'm turning into <laughs> you. I'm winning All right. This. Let's uh, let's continue through the episode, guys. If you want to follow along with the conversation, you can find us on Twitter. We're at the MM Cast. Uh, we you guys have been so awesome on Twitter just recently. Like our numbers are skyrocketing. I think we're getting closer and closer to three thousand. It'd be um, cool if my birthday's in 
three weeks. Yeah. Do you think we can get the 3,000 by my birthday? I think so. You've been yelling at people enough. We've been getting a lot yeah, of attention. Yeah, people, listen uh, to me yelling at you and it, then follow us so it, that as my birthday present to me, if you we want have 3,000 followers. With Kessler and I and wish him a happy birthday, you can find Kessler at Kess Wiley. K-E-S-S-W-Y-L-I-E. Uh, I don't you know if I've ever spelled that for anyone. Me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and, of course, we have a sister show, The Command Zone. They have co- commander content that is called Collected.Company, which is where you can find mm-hmm. us, as well as YouTube, which are both on YouTube. You can find our videos edited by Mike Clary, who is awesome, and we pay him from our Patreon that you guys are so awesome yep. for donating to, patreon.com slash the MMCast. Uh, another shout-out, if you go to, uh, I think it's on the Command Zone channel, uh, Josh Lee Kwai and the Professor have been... Um, doing cool debates it's either on it's either on the command zone youtube channel or the Tolarian community college uh youtube channel they do these cool debates where they argue fun controversial magic content uh check those out i've been uh throwing josh some some love on that and then uh we have there's the i was on that game nights video that i don't think i've been on this episode to talk about so go check that that's on the command zone youtube channel uh i play some commander i re invigorate birthing pod bring it back to life show Sweet. show everyone how powerful the modern cards can be and uh, uh it's good I, I won't spoil it so you guys should go check it out uh oh, at the command's out youtube channel and the last thing we'll plug just last quick shout out is uh i do this action movie podcast i've talked about it here before called action movie anatomy and we did an episode yesterday for the movie armageddon um which we had not done because we felt that it was a disaster movie more than an action movie we brought our, our buddy John Roke on from Collider, and uh, one of my 10 favorite episodes we've ever done. Just absolutely hilarious. Sure. And if you guys like Armageddon or you like talking about stupid 90s action movies, it was a blast. So check that out. Let's, uh, let's get into our service. Yeah. All right. So, Aether Revolt. Yeah, nice. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> as the car, like, car honks when I say things correctly, apparently. Yeah. Every time. Uh, first card starts with a W Walking Ballista. XX, Artifact Creature Construct, Walking Ballista, enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Four mana, put a plus one plus one counter on Walking Ballista. You may remove a plus one plus one counter from Walking Ballista with no tapping cost. Uh, it deals one damage to target creature or player. Uh, I'm, it's swinging on this one. It's the, it's, the, it's the cheapest creature. I'm very high on this card. I think this card is awesome. I think uh, there's a bunch of decks I want to try it in. I think there are entire new decks I want to try that are based on the fact that this plus Hangerback Walker kind of combo together. Um, there are like Crank Ironworks, uh, Ravager, Sack Outlet versions of artifact decks I'm messing with. There is this card's in Affinity seems really sweet because you s- do a bunch of damage with Ravager and then you move all the counters onto this to then burn them out. Um, I think as a controlly card, it even has potential because you can just put it down there on turn two and then keep your mana untapped every turn and then just pump it. That card's ten dollars. Yeah. Go, oh, wait, you said crank. It should be crank clan ironwork. It's crark clan ironworks. Oh, that's so annoying. It's so awkward. I'm never gonna say that correctly. All right. <laughs> um, I'm just condemning that to be <laughs> saying it wrong for eternity. Right. Uh, walking ballista is. I don't know. It's my new hotness. I also think so. We were talking about before Grand Architect. I think this is a card that makes Grand Architect. Pili Paula. Uh, uh, and even without Pili Paula, I mean, Pili Paula I think is important because Infinite Mana now has a great outlet, but I think this is a, a card that maybe puts that deck into a playable fashion because Grand Architects always had the problem where, hey, I'm playing this guy that lets me cast six drop artifact creatures or whatever on turn three and do really powerful things, but if I don't have them, these cards don't do anything. Like, uh, my, my, my Worm Coil engine is worthless, and that's the 
the probably the safest of those kind of cards to play with this effect, uh, and maybe the least exciting. This card lets you play it on turn two, right? By itself, lets you play it on grand with a grand architect for two mana. But then once you untap, or if you have other blue creatures on play, you can just go nuts with this card. And yeah. with Peely Paula, it's an infinite mana. You can you know dump you can dump all that mana into this to just win with infinite damage. Well, and here's a really interesting thing about this card. I mean, so you have you have the combo sync, the fact that you can sync all the mana and just kill with this card. There's also the fact that with architect in play, um, this turns every single blue creature you have into a tap for one damage. Just period. Like you just so even uh, uh, with with grand architect. Yeah, if you have an architect in this guy, architect just taps to he's just prodigal sorcerer. And yeah. Same with this guy. No, 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 you need you need you need. Uh, no, you oh, because you make him blue and they both. No, it costs... Oh, I guess you have to tap two creatures. Yeah. Okay, you have to tap two creatures to deal one. So it's basically... Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, I mean, it, it does make, with Grand Architect, any other creature, you now have a, a ping. But I think I think what's good here is more... Yeah, the go infinite thing. Well, and, and I think just doing that. I think you eventually make this guy huge, just doing that, and then anytime they try and deal with it, you could just be like, oh, I hit you for four, or I kill your creature. Yeah, true. And it, like... I also think it's just it's good in random decks because you can just eat like Infinity. Infinity always has problems with uh, like lingering souls tokens. This completely deals with that problem. I guess with with one blue mana, you have and him and an architect because you can he can turn himself blue and tap. Mm -hmm. So then he can just for one blue tap him and an architect to deal one, and you have that as long as yeah, he's yeah. with an architect, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. As a as a base level, that's what you, you have a pinger. Yeah. And right. It's like the board, like and I then think, everything you play. And then everything you play, yeah, exactly. It's like it's kind of like that card, uh, that red uh, Garoppa Aether Grid. It's got sort of so that similar feel, that inevitability as far as that. Yeah, goes. I think it's very Garoppa Aether Gritty, but but it has the yeah, but the ceiling other, is so much yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally, I agree with you. That card's sweet. Versatility is really important. This thing is good turn two and good turn ten, and it's like amazing turn ten. And yeah. like I think an effect like this and Hanger Walker both existing gives you a reason to maybe try and create cool new decks that are about yeah. take, fully taking advantage of putting plus one, plus one counters on them and getting like super value out of it. Um, even if it's, yeah, it may, it may not even be an architect deck. That just seems like the best mana card for this deck. I but. just think Grand Architect decks needed this card. Yeah. Not necessarily that this card needs Grand Architect What's decks. the two mana, what's the two mana card uh, are, are, that all artifacts cost one less uh, from like, the blue and a colorless from Alara. Uh, Alara Block. Yeah, he's really good with this. He's the one that we... Is it Ether Sworn something? or He's a Vidalkin. Yeah. Uh, normally, I'm so good with this stuff. But anyway, you look that up. Okay. Um, next card on our list is... Do you have Greenbelt Rampager? Or I you do. Greenbelt Rampager. This this card is, is kind of for two mana, one of which is where you only actually have to tap one of those mana on the turn you cast it, and you get a 3-4. A which is lightning bolt resistant. Yep. I think that's kind of where this is at. Like on turn one, you cast this, get a free energy, bring it back to your hand. They can't kill it with bolt. If they kill it with path, great. You just paid a one mana ramp spell. And if they kill it with, I guess, fatal push now, that's that's going to be bad beats. But like, I don't think that's super worrisome. I think in aggressive decks, this is very inexpensive to get a, a three, four and like, 3-4 is the magic number in modern, classically. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I think, you know, it, there's a little bit... This is Let's say this is your opening hand, right? And you're like, all right, so I don't have anything. Like, I could do this other thing turn one, or I could play this thing turn one, bounce it, and then just get my 3-4 on turn two, which is like what the... That's what the base level of this card does. But on turn two, you could also do it. So you cast your one drop, and then turn two, you just pay two mana for a 3-4. No, 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 because you don't have your two energy... 
You can't. You can't. Cast Whenever it enters the battlefield, pay two. If you can't return Green Lantern's yeah. hand and get no, no, no. So no. So you have for to one green mana. You play it on turn two. Then it automatically returns to your hand. You have an energy. Yeah. Then you just cast it again. And then it returns to your hand. No, you pay those two energy no, there. The, you get the energy after it returns to your hand. So, so you get the second energy. Uh, so, so you, you have to play it on, turn, it on turn one and then twice on turn two if you want to just a base level. Oh, uh, I read this card wrong. Yeah. So it's cool. not. It's not. It's still crazy. Well, I think powerful. you play turn one and then on turn two you play another one drop turn and then you play this and then turn three you get it. I guess is the yeah. kind of the plan. So I think that that's good and I think that there's a card there. Um, I also think that. For energy decks, this is the best card they've printed so far. That's like an enabler. It's just like one green. Modern, yeah. I also think from a, if you're looking for creature ETB triggers, yeah, he's really good. Um, which I, I like, I'm not off the top of my head, can't name super relevant reasons you need creature ETBs, but that doesn't mean that doesn't exist. It's just. He, look, he's a card that for one green, as long as he's in your hand, you have infinite one green to turn into an energy. So if you want to build an energy deck, like he's. You, you have, I know you have to pay him, play him if you can. Yeah. You can't, you can't just make an energy. You can't get to two energy and cast him without having to pay the energy to keep him around. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't. It's not you may. No, it's you have to play him. Oh, we're both wrong about this guy. Yeah, we were both sides of this. I uh, still think it's not necessarily unplayable. I just because uh, I also don't know how much energy decks are going to be relevant. Yeah. Um, but if you're playing in an energy deck, then you have mana sinks, uh, energy sinks. But yeah, I, I think I think there's something there. But we we can move on. The card in reference, the uh, blue card was Ethereum Sculptor. That's the there. Yes, that's the yeah, yeah. card. Uh, next is Hope of Giraper. It is a legendary artifact creature Thopter for one. Flying, sacrifice Hope of Giraper. Until your next turn, target player who has dealt combat damage by Hope of Giraper this turn can't cast non-creature spells. So, this is a card that you know, existed in Legacy, but you didn't sack it, which was uh, Xanthad Storm. Xanthad Swarm, yeah. Xanthad Thorm. Never going to say that either. This is a, it's early. <laughs> um, it, the point of this card is decks that want to combo off but want, don't want their opponent to be able to stop them. Right. We'll have this in their sideboard against controlly decks to just on turn one play it on turn three when you're going to say you know Splinter Twin doesn't exist, but use that as an example right now. If you wanted to do your Splinter Twin combo, hit them with this, sack it, and then on your next turn you can cast any spell you want without having to worry about getting removed. It's a couple differences between this and Xanted Swarm. Um, the most notable ones for those of you that have ever played Xanted Swarm, which I think is like I think Xanted Swarm is a zero one for for one green, mm-hmm. and it states when it attacks your opponent can't play spells the rest of this turn. Um, yes. So obviously a little different. This one when it actually connects, you have to sack it. But it does state <laughs> then they can't play non-creature spells until your next turn. Yes. Which means not only can they not play until any, no, until, until your next turn. Right? Uh, until your next turn, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's cool about that is, obviously, they can't play something in your second main or anything like that. They can't end of turn, you know, whatever you. But also, on their turn, they can't wrath you. They can't do yeah. They can't do any sorcery speed, anything. They can't play a planeswalker. They can't play their haymaker, as long as it's not a creature. Um, so it's a little awkward. It's legendary. Like, it's it, you can't just put it but in. It, like The one difference also is it does damage. Like yep. playing a flying one one for one is not as insane as playing a zero one for one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, and in, in a and, and and you don't need green. Like this could be see, this could see play in a mono blue deck. Like Storm could play this card without having to like yeah work hard to get it. And it's one man in Storm too, so like that's also helpful because it's just a cheap spell to cast to get storm up and it does stuff. I think it's fine. Also like, remember we're in a copter world now. So anything, anything with one power that costs one that's relevant, that's a good card is like, all right, well it's 
colorless. I could play this in any deck. I guess I could just throw this in a copter deck and see what happens and start building around there because oh, yeah, anywhere you I mean, want. Thopter Foundry also, this is cool because it, it picks up sort of the make real nice. True. Yeah. I mean, not like in a super exciting way, but just it's a thing it does. I, yeah. I think this card is sweet. I think it's fine. Yep. Um, next, I have, and we can go quick on this one, Narnum Renegade, which is one green for a Death Touch Elf Warrior. Uh, it has Revolt to put a plus one, plus one counter if a permanent has left the battlefield, and it is a one-two. So this is kind of a different play on Curdape. Uh, I think it's strictly better than Curdape in Modern. I mean, not, I guess, strictly better because they... This is okay. Here's because here's a, revolt won't always happen, but you also don't have to worry about like death touch is a big deal on a one two. Like this trades with Tarmogoy for her ape doesn't. All right, so here's my thing with revolt. Uh, this is this is my initial thought. I, I hear you, and I actually hadn't even thought about this card as though like oh yeah, this is pretty much better than Kurdip. I think you're pretty much right. Uh, I didn't really put this card on my radar. Here's the thing with revolt. Remember when Delirium got printed and every all looked at each other and we were like, oh, this is easy. It's modern. So any Delirium card, you'll just have Delirium right away. Like this is not a problem. These cards are all good. Um, that was how we, I think that was how we all kind of evaluated them. Like, if you build a deck to do this, you'll be able to do this. Um, and I think Revolt, it's a similar thing because everybody's like, oh, there's fetch lands. You'll always have a fetch land or something will always die. So this is always going to turn on. It'll probably turn on like 65% of the time. I think it's higher than that. I think for a one drop, it's higher than that. Because sure. you want to play this, like, where this is going to be relevant is turn on turn one. Where you want it to be land. a two, three. Yeah. You want to fetch, like, you're going to have a fetch land likely on turn one. And. Late game, this becomes more relevant as just the one-two death toucher. Like the, the later the game gets, the more a one-two death toucher for one is kind of relevant. Um, well, but also... From a defensive perspective. Yeah. I, I will give you that I think this card is good. Uh, it's better than I thought it was. Be careful with Revolt, people, because I'm telling you, people play 10, 11, sometimes even 12 fetch lands in decks, and that's a thing, and like you'll get away with that. But there are going to be those hands you draw where your Revolt card doesn't have a fetch in the opening hand, and your opening hand that you built your deck to take advantage of the card seems underpowered or slow, and you're like, this is not actually just what I wanted it to be every time, which I think is, that's the inclination when you look at these well, because of fetches. And, and, and that's just, look at these cards without Magical Christmas Land. Yeah, right. Like, like one of my point is that a 1-2 death touch for one is not awful. It's I, fine, but... I, I wouldn't just modern... play it, but I, I would play a 2-3 for one mana. For Death Touch, I would definitely think about it. And, and there are decks that play Curdave, and this is better than that in those decks, especially if you want to avoid playing red, which is an aggressive deck, so unlikely because your bolt's good. But <laughs> yeah, but because that option is available, having a one, two for one Death Touch as a worst case scenario is not a terrible worst case scenario. Right. There are way worse, there, there are cards currently seeing play that are way worse when they're not good than this is. I sort of wish that this card was a rare and it was a three-two. That's like that's. I wish that it had been pushed. That card does exist. We're gonna get to that card. Isn't that? Isn't there like a four-three? No, but it's a one-man a three-two death touch a with revolt, four, or sure. a one-man a two-one death touch without. Like that to me would be interesting. Is there a one-man a three anything? Oh, yeah. Nakadal Delver. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Next is Baral, Chief of Compliance. This is a blue and colors for a legendary human wizard. Instants and sorcery spells cost one less. Whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Um, the main place this is being talked about is a another is like the Electromancer. Electromancers four, five, and six. Um, I don't think you want more than two of this guy, and I'm not sure if you want more than five Electromancer. Yeah. But Storm needs new cards because they just lost cards, and this guy was good and does a bunch of stuff that's relevant. And he's interesting. I'll tell you that I've talked about this I think before on here, and and I'll make this very brief because it's pretty fringe. But there was this deck that I had in mind at one point. This like very aggressive. Electromancer into Lingering Souls deck. It was like four colors, like all kinds of stuff. And the idea was like, obviously, 
when you get uh, the cost reducer on both halves of a card like Souls, you could just play Electromancer turn two and then Souls flashback Souls on turn mm-hmm. three, which I always was like really intrigued by. This is a way better card for that deck. Yeah, what I was going to say yeah. was I always tried to build that deck with Stormscape Apprentice because it's the closest thing you had to Electromancer, you know, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. But it doesn't make both, it doesn't make everything good. Sure. Whereas this does. Yeah. So it, this is legendary. So you don't want to play, I think, four of these. But I could see playing like, if you wanted to build something in that vein, mm-hmm. you could easily yeah. build like four Electromancers, two of these, maybe like one Stormscape and kind of go there. Because there yeah. are cards like. And I could say you could play, if you, because it, it loots when you counter spells. And if you have any other looting effect, I yeah. think he is fine because you can discard the extra ones. Right. Anytime a legendary effect has a loot ability on it, it's a better card. It's like why Nahiri is a four of possibility. Yeah. It's why Liliana the Veil can be played four of because you can always discard the extra ones to the effect that it allows you to discard off of. Yeah, I think also the other, just the last thought to think about on that is that if you're going to go with like a super, super heavy, like eight copies of Electromancer with souls and looting and everything, you can also play the, uh, the, uh, what's the, what's the random looter with flashback from Innistrad? Remember? The, it's like blue with flashback red or red with flashback blue. Oh, 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 oh. Um, like, Frantic something. You draw you draw oh, man, two and discard one at random. Today. You draw two and discard one at random. Desperate for... ritual. No. Desperate ravings. That's what it's called. Raving. Okay. Uh yes, ravings. And I so it shared a word with a ritual. <laughs> so that's sweet. Because just yeah. the last point on that whole idea was that if you did let's say you were doing some sort of deck like that with a bunch of these cost reduced creatures, souls, my idea was do you play two copies of Rally the Peasants? Because same deal. All of a sudden Rally the Peasants it, you can play it and flash it back for four mana, and your team gets plus four plus zero. Oh. And that was like, well, if you got a bunch of souls, you'll probably just win out of nowhere yeah. sometimes with that draw. So it's kind of a fun thing. All right, Gifted Aetherborn is a black-black Aetherborn Vampire Death Touch Lifelink 2-3. This is a two-mana Nighthawk. You lose the flying ability, so it's a Nighthawk on the ground. The real relevant thing on this to me is, A, this is just a relatively efficiently stats, but the fact that it's double black means that Vampire devotion or devotionless yeah. in general get another good two drop that's relevant and it has relevant abilities. Um, we mentioned just before how much a two three for death touch is pretty decent, anyways. Yeah. And giving it lifelink is obviously a benefit in a format where life really matters. That's pretty much all. It's like it's definitely a ground pounder and definitely be a card filler. But I think the fact that it has creature type vampire, the fact that it has devotion enabling mechanics seems like it has a chance to probably do something maybe i would say that uh, on the list of most underrated keywords on creatures ever uh i think tramples the most underrated i think it gets the most overlooked and it's super powerful yeah. and i think death touch is second i think it's sure. right behind it um, and they're really good together yeah death touch is really good it's, yeah. uh, it's like i feel like usually you look at death touch and like well i want to be winning i don't want to be just you know blocking but right. you're like but then they just don't block. i would almost say that lifelink is third on that list because the thing with lifelink is people are taught pretty early that life gain is bad yeah but life gain for the sake of life gain is bad life gain attached to any other effect is good that's why sphinx's revelation was insane that's why yeah uh rhino was insane i feel like like, but i feel like there's a there's a sense usually that when you look at a creature and it's like flying and unblockable like you know hexproof those are the ones that like for competitive players yeah yeah, yeah. flash but I think Lifelink is maybe the tail end of the good ones. I think it's the middle. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, next is Green Whale Liberator. This is the one I was talking about. This is a green and a colorless revolt uh, 2-1 when it enters the battlefield. If with revolt, you get two plus one plus one counters. Um, this is a 4-3 for two if you get revolt on. I think the three part of that 4-3 is really important and makes this card very hard to play. This is, Here's my exact point on the whole Delirium versus Revolt thing. Yes. Remember Moldgrass Scavenger? Yes. It's, the, it's it's not the same thing, obviously, because getting Delirium is harder than getting Revolt, yeah. but it's the same concept. Of well, but what's his face he's played? But I think the 4-4 uh, Grimflare is a 
better example? Well, Grim Flayer sees play yeah, as a... Yeah, Grim Flayer is just better because it does tons of things and it's mythic. It's a mythic rare because it does like all these cool things. And I, I think the fact that it has... I think four <laughs> toughness is the real deal breaker here. Yeah. More than anything. Like totally. The, and this is a 4-3. And, and the bad version of Grim Flayer still does stuff. The bad version of this is just a, a Goblin Piker, which is non, not like... Yeah, now I don't think that this card's bad. I I think that there's totally like uh, those those gr- okay. Uh, those... It is an elf, which is relevant. Yeah, remember and and when people were playing those those gruel those gruel decks, those like gruel aggro decks. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember people trying to play Talara's Battalion as like their yeah. that was like their secret card. This is just better. But I would ra- I'd rather play the two three vigilance <clears throat> that becomes a four five. Right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. The guy then from this? standard. Yeah, because like at least then it's like. You gain like that. That just as a two drop is good, and late game it's great. This seems like yeah. The problem Sylvan with their vault that I will give you is that late game they get much worse, right? Because a top deck revolt card, if you if you don't save fetch lands, becomes significantly less good. Totally. Uh, hidden herbalist. This is your little your little favorite guy. I believe it would be pronounced hidden herbalists. Uh, <laughs> uh, sure. Green colorless human druid revolt get two green mana two two. So yeah, it's, so it's burning tree emissary. Yes, five through eight. Um, it's you know, it's like it makes a couple things happen. The the whole idea in the in the mirror superior like all in deck is sweeter with now with collected company and vile because you can legitimately hope to cast your collected company on turn three mm-hmm. with a vile and one of these two guys. Um, which was always one of the most powerful things that deck could do is they could hold like two landers and not be worried. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's not like it breaks anything that crazy. Uh, I think it makes that deck and what it was trying to do more consistent in a way. Because you also, like, you know, you get Mere Superior. Yeah. More con- like, you have another card that casts Mere Superior for free that is on game plan. I think it streamlines the deck you were doing. You were a much more toolboxy version of what that deck could be. Probably because I probably had some influence on <laughs> where you went with it. Yeah. But I think... I've seen lists with this card that are just like, oh, this is going all in on this game plan of I'm either going to have a bunch of tutus and a goblin bushwhacker s card, or I'm going to have Mere Superior on turn two or earlier, or and or I'm going to cast Collected Company on turn. Like it does a lot of things that are powerful that I think is not to be discounted. I wonder if there's a uh, like because- not bushwhacker. What's the new one? Goblin the the what does it do? The, it's from Oath of the Gatewatch. The you new can, Bushwhacker you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the Bushwhacker 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I, what I was going to say on this card is, like, I wonder now if you have eight ways to, to uh, Burning Tree Emissary, uh, like, chain everything, if there's just some sort of, if there's just some sort of rug days undoing deck now, that's going to be, like, I can just, like, vomit my entire hand on the table. I guess I guess Affinity would have done that first, so never mind. That's that's what Affinity would have done if they were ever going to uh, use it. I don't know if I, I think your, well, the problem with your deck is that it just ends your turn. Right, but I mean, just so you, okay. So you your vomit, next turn you have a full hand. You vomit your entire hand, right? Like, like say your opening hand. There's a decent chance you're gonna play a two drop and another two drop and another I think, two. I drop. think it's fine to try that. I don't, I don't like affinity. Didn't need it. Your deck is doing less powerful things inherently than affinity. So you getting the free spell aspect of affinity, but not having the same payoffs makes you need reasons to have payoffs. And days and doing is a reason to do that. Like I just wonder if you if some of your turn twos would be like emissary emissary superior turn three play land days undoing i have 10 power and now a new hand yeah yeah you know that's cool yeah, no i think that's relevant uh next is kari zev skyship raider i don't know how playable this is in modern though it is you know aggressive it's a three three for two with first strike at menace kind of 
I just there's I, nothing on this card that I don't three, absolutely three two, love. Did I miss something? Is it a three three for two or is it a one two that makes goats? It's a one three that makes a two one. <laughs> it's it's a it's sorry. <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. It is a human pirate one three with first strike and menace that makes a legendary two one red monkey creature. <laughs> basically, Kessler basically Kessler just loves everything about this card. It's mini Geistus Entraft. All he wanted to do was talk about this card. This card is so sweet. This card Every, needs there's a not nickname. A, there's not a word on this. No, it's the, her name. <laughs> Kari Zev. Yeah. No, but this is like She's like a main character. If we were LSV, we would have something so much more clever in the chaos. Every single word on this card is great. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Including the flavor text. She has a, a ship called the Dragon Smile. She's a pirate. She's a sky pirate with a monkey companion. She makes monkeys. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. All right, Metallic Mimic. Two mana. Artifact creature shapeshifter. As Metallic Mimic entered the battlefield, choose a creature type. Metallic Mimic is the chosen type in addition to its other types. Each other creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it, and it is a 2-1. Uh, the important thing to this to me is not only does this make a bunch of tribes that didn't have any support now have support, and the more important thing to me on that, though, is it gives a bunch of tribes that had some support possibly enough support to make it a thing. Humans is one of the first ones that really jumps to mind. We now have this and Mayor, Mayor of Averbrook as actual two-mana lords in that deck. I think that's super relevant. I know you've been playing along with uh, a rogues deck, a blue-black fairy rogue deck, uh, that this also really helps. Um, I also think something that's not being talked about is is this combos with persist creatures. Right, yeah. We So we were saying this last night. Like, with, If you build like an oof deck or like a goblin deck, uh, it, it combos really well with the two good persist creatures. Um, yeah, I agree with you totally. This gives support to a bunch of tribes that are undersupported. The thing with the rogues deck that I mentioned that we'll talk on a later episode at length about, but mm -hmm. there's a card from, I think it's Morning Tide, called Una's Blackguard that is one black, one colorless for a 1-1 one, one flying fairy rogue. It states whenever another rogue enters the battlefield, it enters with a 1-1 one, one counter on it. Um, and whenever a creature you control with a 1-1 one, one counter on it hits your opponent, combat damage, they discard a card. I've always really liked that card. I've always thought that there was a cool opportunity to build with that. Uh, maybe like, um, what's his name? The unblockable 1-1 one, one Hexproof guy. Invisible Stalker, because he's a rogue. And the counters and the unblockable and the card discard thing. And then the last one would be the Fairy Imposter, the 2-1 flyer for one that when it enters, sack it unless you return a creature to your hand. I always thought there was like a very interesting synergy between those cards that I could never quite figure out because it wasn't powerful enough. This card definitely pushes you further in that direction. It's kind of like a second black guard, but the idea that your fairy imposters will very consistently come down as three twos for one mana that allow you to bounce something else to replay them for the additional triggers is very cool. I'm, I'm into that. I think that's an interesting idea. And the fact that you can play Invisible Stalker in this deck, Stalker is going to come down as a two two or a three three unblockable that's going to trigger them to discard the black guard and play is good. I really, really wish Goblin Slutter was legal in modern for this for this card. Okay. To be able to, because it's the only Goblin free sack outlet that's expect like. Slutter? You mean? Yeah, Goblin Slutter. I don't even know the card. I'm gonna, uh, think. I'm gonna look it up. Reset Goblin Slutter. Uh, but moving on, um, or not moving on, but yeah, I think this card offers a lot to. A bunch like vampires is another one that like they just don't have a lot of super aggressive lords, and this is another one. Yeah, it's this card definitely opens up space. Uh, the other thing we talked about last night on the phone was that adaptive automaton has always been slightly playable. Like it's always been fringe playable. Um, it's oh, oh goblin slaughter. Look at that. Yeah, on sacrifice a goblin target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. That's sweet. For one red one one that with the mimic plus uh, persist. Well, persist, but specifically. Um, 
Murderous Red Cap. Oh, sure. Goes infinite. Yeah. Uh, like, I think this in a Goblin deck seems really sweet. Because Goblins needs this kind of a lord. It's missing that piece. Yeah. And that deck is already close to a thing anyways. And 2-1 Goblin Lord is a really efficient rate for a Goblin Lord that that tribe needs. Because that's what it's all about is playing two drops and well, one drops. pretty much any sack outlet with this. I mean, it's any sack outlet with the... With the sure, but the, the none of them kind of go in Goblin decks. Um. All right, so next is Skyship Plunderer. One blue, one colorless human pirate flying with Skyship Plunderer. Deals combat damage to a player for each kind of counter on target permanent or player. Give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So, yeah, it's Thrummingbird 2.0, but it's a 2-1 instead of a 1-1. Um, Thrummingbird was always a fascinating card to players that like that liked it. It was always a card that, like... It is, it is slightly different because... Throwing bird can target any number of permanents, and it's a may. This oh, has to target true. one. It's only one thing that you can target. True, um, but yeah. it is slightly better because it's a two-one versus a one-one. And and like if you know if you're trying to do infect or you're trying to specifically make one thing hyper things, having two throwing bird effects is really strong. Yeah, I would. I, what I will say is that if you're trying to go with the infect plan, there's a better way to do it. If you're trying to go with infect as a secondary plan, I don't know if you want eight throwing birds. So that's I think where you run into the problem. Um, the issue with Thrumming Bird always was that it's a two mana flying one one, so like it just doesn't. Well, as a secondary plan, you do it with just the Manland. You have Ink Moth Nexus in yeah. your deck, and then yeah. you'll accidentally get an Infect Counter at some point, and you can go off. But yeah, so it's very cool, and I think it's interesting. It opens up some space for like Planeswalker decks and and any kind of you know clever counter based sort of charge counter type of deck. I think there's cool stuff there, but um, you know, not not ideal. So. So next is Shram, Senior Edificer. Uh, he's a legendary dwarf advisor for a white and colorless 2-2. Two, two. Uh, whenever you cast an R equipment or vehicle spell, draw a card. Um, the one thing, sorry, I just, just forgot because in standard this was a thing, and it's way better if you have eight of these. Um, the card Tumble Magnet <laughs> is a real card. Like, that doesn't get play in this format, but in standard was saw a lot of play. The reason it was so good and could still be so good is because it taps Emrakul. Um on the battlefield, just taps an Emrakul. So sure. anybody who cheats it in, um, anything, it just taps it. Uh, see, even like a Titan, mm -hmm. anything. So with a Thrumming Bird or that guy on a turn two, and then a turn three Tumble Magnet, you all of a sudden have a situation where it, it's, you just, if you can protect it, which is what you did back in Standard, you just are pinging for one or two every turn, and they're never getting through with their best threat because you're always refilling it by proliferating. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's just a thing. Okay. I don't know if that's a real thing. but Sure. Um, back to Shram, Senior Edificer. I mean, the big thing to do with this is is it combos with um, the equipment guy. Um, sorry, I'm forgetting his name. I just looked him up. Pure Steel Paladin. Oh, um, yeah. He's Pure Steel Paladin's five through eight. That deck has been around forever. It's always just been slightly not powerful enough. And the main reason it's not been powerful enough is because you don't have more than one Paladin. Um so you would only have four, and if you don't have that card, your deck doesn't do anything. Having full eight of them in your deck makes that deck a much more conceivably powerful deck. This also combos with the card from the last set, the blue card that lets you return any amount of artifacts to your hand. Yeah. To create like an egg storm list that basically plays all the zero-cost uh, um, shield-based equipments that yeah. are out there to like just go off. I think this card like w will... I don't know how good the deck will be, but this will make the Pure Steel Paladin deck a much better deck. This is also, it's also, uh, what's it called? Um, it's also Core Spirit Dancer 5 through 8 in a lot of ways. That deck didn't need that as much. It's not, like, that deck, that deck's problem wasn't ever really... You're talking about Boggles. I'm, what, I'm yeah. saying, what I'm saying is, like, not necessarily in Boggles, but whenever you have, like, that engine card and they print the 5th through 8 version... Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think... 
I don't think that deck needs more boggles. I don't think that I don't think like a better version of that boggles is well, like but you, enchantments. But it's like having two enchantresses all of a sudden. It's I'm saying like sure. if you wanted to build something else, there's a deck. I mean, think about all the they one just mana bring, land auras. I guess are the ones you're kind of referring to. I guess that's a thing. Yeah. That's, okay. That's sure. A big thing. I'll give you that. Um, I mean, it seems like over and over again, all we're saying in this review is. Um, all we're saying in this review is five through eight on things, which is anytime redundancy is introduced, that's a real thing. So yeah. Moving on to the next card here, we have, uh, we have this is interesting. Like this, is, I think this is totally interesting. Um, this wasn't on your list, but it's unique. It's clearly pushed, in my well, opinion. Read what it does. Oh, I'm just looking at it. <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. So I'm trying to go quickly here. Shut up. No one knows what you're talking about. Malfist Revolutionary, green, green, one for a three, three human warrior creature with trample. When Malfus Revolutionary enters the battlefield or dies, for each kind of counter on target permanent or player, give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. Um, it's a 3-3 trample for three that proliferates a Planeswalker when you play it and then proliferates a Planeswalker when it dies or increases poison. Um, that what a- Planeswalkers on turn three do you have in play? Uh, Tybalt? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm not saying he's not a thing to kind of try with, but I just, I'm not totally there yet. Yeah, I feel you. It's, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just not saying you're right. It does cool stuff. It, it does something different. It does proliferate twice, so I'll give you that. So what on Gyre, so Gyre Sage on turn two into this guy. Seems That seems sweet. And you, that seems that's a much sweeter thing than anything to do with planeswalkers. But that that maybe powers you into your sweet like six mana Garrick that you can play on turn four. You don't or even need a planeswalker at that point. You have six mana. Play play uh, the ballista, walking ballista or ballast, walking ballast. All I'm saying my about favorite that, card. All <laughs> I'm saying about this is modern. find me another card that does this. You can't. It's never been printed. And the fact that it's a three three trample for three to begin with. Is good. So if you're mm-hmm. putting this in a big green deck that can pump this thing up, not only is this thing good. You know, once again, this is just one target thing, right? Yeah, but it okay. doesn't. Yeah. It's okay. still good, though. Yeah, yeah. I think. All right. Renegade Rallier, uh, green, white, colorless for a human warrior revolt uh, when it enters the battlefield. If a permanent you control off the battle this turn, put a two converted mana cost card or less from your graveyard onto the battlefield. It is a three, two. Uh, one of th- this card is like very aggressive. It has an end of the battlefield effect. Yes, you have the revolt problem, but I think in the decks that are going to be playing this, you can kind of trigger that relatively well. You g- worst case scenario, you get the fetch land you put into the graveyard. Uh, best case scenario, you get one of the many different aggressive. I've seen a lot of zoo decks kind of messing around with this card about I think getting I saw those. Caleb, out. right? Yeah, he threw something up. Yeah, there's a really sweet zoo list he played uh, or posted. I also think like this plus stuff like um, the the two mana clone. Yeah, like you could do like what the old image. Sun Titan decks used to do. Um, I, I, Sun Titan is a very powerful card. This is mini Sun Titan. I I think this card is extremely powerful. The fact that you can it gains you value when it enters the battlefield. You can cheat things in the play this way because there are things that have high converted mana costs but different other costs associated with them. And this lets you kind of get them. And on top of that, you can do stuff like Phantasmal Image shenanigans or just get aggressive drops that have died already. Like playing this and then Tarmogoyf that they killed with a... Uh, a fatal push the turn before into play is like a big swing. Yeah, big time. I mean, this two mana is, is very different than one mana in terms of what you're returning to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this isn't on like some dink and dunk four drop and it's not like the three drop from Theros where you had to heroic it. Yeah. But it's like, this is a good card on its own. Yep. You actually want to play it and it does the same thing in the right colors yep. is and, powerful. And the fact that it can get lands. I think the fact that it, it, it can rebuy a fetch land yep. on its own is a powerful effect. Yeah, I guess, Getting, I guess like, that, that Theros card only referenced uh, uh, creatures. This yeah. references permanence, which yeah, is much yeah. better. So, 
Uh, scrap Trawler, whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact card in the graveyard with lesser with a lesser converted mana cost. Um, the main thing I want to do with this, like there's a few people messing around with different ways to gain value on this because there is a pr it's it's a pretty aggressive value engine uh, if you can make it work, but it's that Krark Clan Ironworks Clan Ironworks plus you did it right look at that yeah <laughs> uh, plus the Ballista plus uh, Hangerback Walker kind yeah. of combo deck I was talking about sure. before. Um, and Affinity decks might be able to take some advantage of this because you can get your smaller creatures back. I think this is a value creature. It's an artifact spell, so it can go pretty much anywhere. I think there's powerful things this card can do. It's obviously more of a value player that gets added in as your 36th card, but yeah. I think it definitely has some play. Here's the question for you. Hmm. If they had said equal or lesser, would this card be totally busted, unfair, yes. and, and impossible? Yeah. It would have just been like a legacy staple, a vintage staple from day one. Uh, vintage for sure. I mean, this on Well, two. I guess that's just you can't even print that because it's just, you just, yeah. it's just Lotus, Lotus, Lotus. It's just infinite. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it. Uh, you can't play two Lotuses in Vintage, though. True. Yeah. So that that's that saves us yeah. from that. <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, wait. Right. Well, yeah. Or if it's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so it has to be lesser. Yeah. Otherwise, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Two Mishra's Bobbles. In uh, next is Trophy Mage. We talked about this a lot on a previous episode. It's a 2 2 for three. Uh, Human wizard, uh, two blue. It's a, it's a, it's the next trinket mage slash tr uh, treasure mage. It yeah. finds and three drops. Ensnaring bridge, crucible of worlds. There's like, there's a, there's a small handful of three drops in modern. Sort of of famine. Super important. There's and a bunch from this set. Yeah, um, this card's sweet. The, yeah, it gets the right sword. That's a cool thing. Um, I, I do want to try still making cobblade work. I think with fatal push too, that makes it possible. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I would hesitate to say that any sorcery speed three drop in modern is going to be game breaking, but this card has very cool abilities and it's totally up our alley. And we'll. I've played Trinket Mage to decent success before. This finds a different set set of artifacts, and some of them are extremely powerful. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't know how how good, but I think there's a there's an opportunity there. We've talked about it before. It was one of the few cards yeah, we actually to, being able to play sort of Feast of Famine and Fire Ice without having to play multiples of them in your deck is a big. Yeah, is a big, big way to make those cards good. Um, Crackdown Construct is a four mana two two artifact creature construct. Whenever an activated ability, whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, Crackdown Construct gets plus one plus one until end of turn. The main powerful thing uh, to do with this is it goes infinite with some cards. Yeah. Um, it goes infinite with Shuko. You mentioned it goes infinite with. Um, Anything with any creature artifact with a zero mana activated ability. Wandering Fumarol. The big one is Wandering Fumarol, which is a standard thing that you can do right now yeah. in modern that's also available. It's a the blue red man land having a blue red infinite combo attack that half of it is a land. Uh, offers powerful abilities. Who knows how good this will be? It is a four mana two two. Um but there's definitely potential there. Yeah, is uh it's this Paradise Mantle doesn't doesn't do anything, does it? No. You have to no, no. equip for one, yeah. 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 Um, next, Felidor Guardian. Yeah, this was Three the focus. This yeah. was the focus of last week's episode. This is sorry, sorry, I cut yeah, you yeah. off. But this is the Felidar that compos with Sahili. We talked about. Do you want my foil one? You have one. I opened a foil at the pre-release. I would actually yeah. like your foil one. Yeah, yeah, for my wheel. Cool. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> when. <laughs> Cat Guardian 1-4. When Felidar Guardian enters the battlefield, you may exile another target permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your owner's control. It's really... It, I mean, you talked about the death. It, it, anytime you have an effect that can reset Kiki-Jiki, just inherently is very powerful, and then you add this new Sahili card, so this specifically triggers with that. That It also is just a great value play off of 
I mean, there are entire decks based on the power level of the 3-1 flyer that does this, but they come back Flicker at the end Wisp. of turn. Flicker Wisp. And their entire archetypes based on that de- that card. This is another additional card for those archetypes. It's a good card. With Angel and anything, right? It just goes back and forth, doesn't it? Doesn't Angel flicker this, and this comes in and flickers Angel? Yeah. So if you that have totally works. some life gain, anything, any ATB effect, anything with, with yeah. I guess, this Angel and, and Finks, you go infinite? Well, no, because you, you don't blink the other thing. You, you can only blink oh, each oh, other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have to have something that triggers on an ETB. Yeah, so any of the, any of the life gain, Essence Wardens, any... Yeah, that, that, that's an easy one. I mean, there's a bunch. There's yeah. damage ones. There's things that do damage when creatures... But the like... most relevant one in the entire format, and, and go listen to the episode with Corey Burkhart on last week. Uh, somebody who I was talking to the players at the local store, and they were arguing, they're like, is Corey the best player in the world not to have top eight at a Pro Tour? And that, somebody was like, yeah, definitely, he's the best player in the world not to have top eight at a Pro Tour. They're like, it's him or Shahar, but... Um, you know, he's probably the guy. It's crazy. Like, he's so good. And he's yeah. like, anyway, we talked a lot about that with Sahili, uh, which if you're missing the ability because it's a little bit weird, is that uh, it Sahili blinks. Sahili makes a clone of a, a target artifact or a creature. It gains haste that turn. And then it, she would make a clone of this card. This card would then blink Sahili, allowing yeah. you to make a copy of the... It again and go infinite, so you have infinite hasty one force. It's a splinter twin. It's yeah, just it's, it's just li- splinter twin. It's just literally splinter. It's twin. splinter twin where it's all sorcery speed, but one half is a planeswalker, which classically is a harder permanent to kill. Yes, absolutely. Plays a little um, differently, but you can hear the full review on last week's yeah. episode. Uh, next is Sly Requisitioner. Requisitioner. Yeah, there we go. I got Requisitioner? it. Uh, it is a human artificer for five mana, one black, four colorless. Improvise, which means that you can tap artifacts similar to Convoke to pay for the colorless portion of the card. Uh, when a non-token artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. The main reason I have this here, uh, improvise is a little bit hard to kind of decide how good it's going to be. A, the entire concept of this kind of makes decks that don't exist in modern yet play better with it than necessarily Affinity does because tapping all your creatures to pay for something. But this card specifically looks like a, a, a card to look back at Affinity for because Affinity doesn't really play token artifact creatures. All of their creatures are actual cards. So this allows you to kind of build in redundancies with them and allows you with a Ravager to just double your value on sacking everything. So it, it has this cool little effect that's pretty good in Affinity. It's very easy to cast for one mana in Affinity. And it kind of just puts it a little bit on hyperdrive. And I thought that was a really interesting effect to kind of pay attention to as something on a, a com- uncommon that no one's really talking about. And Improvise in general is a card and mechanic that I think is going to be really hard to judge how good a card with this ability on it really is going to be. I would agree with you completely. Um, this, Yeah, I think this is cool. I think that it does open up space, and I think it's easier to cast than people are probably giving credit. Um, we're talking about a lot of perspective, like new space the decks are going right. to have on this. But look, this this set might break things open. There feels like there's a lot of things right now. There's at least, at least the possibility of three different... Like, we've talked about three different artifact base decks that didn't exist before that all have the potential to do a thing. And we talked when Kaladesh was printed that we thought there was a real possibility of those things. This and feels like it pushes it even further. Th- this set is so much more pushed, speaking of pushed, uh, yeah. than, than Kaladesh. I, I think that's kind of what they're doing with small sets now, though. I think their new mission with small sets is big sets set up the world, get, introduce you to new mechanics, and small sets are like, okay, now we're going to take this to the next level. And this will only be around for less time because yeah. small set, yeah. Uh, next is Fatal Push. We talked a lot about this card because this, this was our spoiler card. This is the most powerful spoiler card we've gotten so far. I think this is, I mean, like, there's an argument to be made that this is one of 
like a, a an upper echelon of magic cards ever printed. Yeah. It's the and, most powerful card. And we in got set, to spoil probably. it. Probably, right? Is his best card in the set? It's a, it's a, I mean, yeah. for modern, it's the best card in the set. I think so. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that's even on the same level. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked. I mean, go again. You can go listen to that episode. The reason, the short, sweet version, the reason this is good is because mono black or decks that weren't playing white and red now have access to a very powerful removal spell. And then decks that were playing white and red have an additional option to removal that they didn't have before to let their removal suite be more diverse. Yeah, I think it's really good. Um, it's at the level, it's a similar level to Path and lightning bolt yeah it does what abrupt decay can't do for one mana because it doesn't cost one mana, <laughs> mana. <laughs> um yeah so bug esper grixis is you know Corey's even talking about paying playing a mix of these and lightning bolts instead of just straight up for one or the other wrote like, a full article just yeah. about this card yeah. yeah um next is heart of kieran uh two mana four four flying vigilance crew three you may remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker you control rather than play Heart of Kyrdin's crew cost. It's a vehicle. Um, it's a Sarah Angel for two that you need to crew. And the ability with planeswalkers is really the key to it. The fact that you can play this on turn two. And then on turn three, in modern, playing anything with the three uh, power is a little bit easier than in standard, I would say. But then more importantly, this and Liliana the Veil. This and... Sahili. Sahili. In that deck. <laughs> in the deck you, we were just discussing. This and... Um, three mana Nissa, this and uh, what's the what's the red green? Uh, oh, oh, the three mana guy, Darmy Raid. Darmy Raid, like yeah. this, like th- you could play this on turn two, play Darmy Raid on turn three, use a loyalty counter, make this big, then fight this and the another creature. Like and Darmy Raid, I think survives that if I'm correct. Yeah, uh, that's just inherently really good. And there's other things you can do that are really powerful like i think i think in modern is a better place to see where here heart of kieran and planeswalker decks does something than even in um standard you also i think the other thing you could legitimately do is you could play this in a planeswalker based polymorph deck with planeswalkers that make creatures and like one copy of emrakul and then you just you know your xenagos or whatever you make your two twos and then you just drop polymorph, oh yeah just get emrakul or you, you use your planeswalkers to crew this thing and you don't even need to hit polymorph sure seems pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. i don't agree <laughs> Uh, next is Hidden Stockpile. This is a black-white enchantment for uh, two. There's just black and a white. Uh, revolt at the beginning of your end step. If a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. One mana sacrifice a creature. Scry one. Uh, there's a few things on this. One is it's a sack outlet for one mana. It's not a free one, but it's it's a really efficient one uh, that lets you gain value from blocking, attacking. I mean, like instant speed sack uh is something to always pay attention to and the effect of scry one on that is very powerful like there's a reason that um what's the mono black one black creature mono black one black aristocrat not aristocrat yeah yeah in every today's the day birthing pod decks played it viscerous here viscerous here thank you you're losing your mind i know my uh, it's hong kong's bad for me (laughs) uh that inherently is powerful, and then on top of that, you have the ability to like chain, getting you know, you get value every turn off of one of the creatures you lose. I think there's a lot of things going on here. I think it's a powerful card, and it's hard to get rid of. Uh, another tool for aristocrat decks. Uh, Oath of Ajani, green and a white, legendary enchantment. When Oath of Ajani enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Planeswalker spells you cost one less to cast. I think that's the, the yeah. more important part of this card. Uh, totally, this card like you. 
the first part, the plus one plus one counters thing, I guess for later copies you draw just makes your team bigger. But well, planeswalker decks generally play a bunch of one one tokens, like make a bunch of one ones, and this late game makes all those one ones into a lethal threat, and then early game makes all those planeswalkers cheaper to play. I mean, it's a pretty simple, pretty simple math. You play Oath of Johnny on turn two. You play either Elspeth or Gideon or whatever the thing you're going to play on turn three is. Uh, I guess Gideon probably hasn't really broken into modern yet, but Elspeth's pretty it's darn good. Yeah, yeah. Elspeth's pretty darn good. Elspeth makes a guy Gideon's for a plus. pretty darn good. I, I yeah. would say both of those is a good example of why this Considering card could be Considering Gideon also makes an emblem, yeah. um, this feels like you could probably just build the green-white Planeswalkers deck with this card as a four of and be fine. I mean, yeah. It seems good. This and Hard and Kieran, too. We can do that. Yeah. yeah. Seems good. You play a three-mana Nissa. Comes yeah. two-mana Nissa. Oh, man. Most of these cards are standard legal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, servo schematic. Uh, when servo schematic enters the battlefield or is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a one-one colorless servo artifact creature token. The, I mean, there's what are they? The, the wellsprings. The wellsprings. The wellsprings are always trying to be played by people as great sack outlets. This lets you trigger your artifact sack effect twice per when you sack it or three times versus just the two or no four three times yeah versus there's just the two, uh, one on a wellspring so yeah. that's like i think a big important piece of this card it also gives you threats and blockers which the wellsprings always felt bad because you tap out on turn two to like draw a card and then get hit where this you can tap on turn two have a blocker and yeah. then gain advantage over it on the next turn. So I think this is better in Tesserator decks than those are. Definitely. Um, in that in that Gargadon Sahili deck that I was working on when the Sahili was first uh, revealed that was playing all the Wellsprings so that you could like have Gargadon as your sack outlet, make a copy of Sahili. Uh, those Wellsprings were fine in that deck. This is so much better. It's so much better. Like the fact that a copy of a Wellspring off Sahili represents three counters off a of Gargadon is sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next... Indomitable creativity. Red, 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 X. Destroy X target artifacts and or creatures for each permanent destroyed. This way its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield and shuffle their library. Uh, the main thing I want to talk about this is uh, polymorph decks, which are, you know, we, we talked a little bit about lets you cheat Emrakuls in the play, are decks that have always been on the fringe of modern and have always been almost playable. A, this is an additional polymorph, so now there's two versus the polymorph and like the really expensive polymorphs that are out there. And two, this is red. Yeah. So good. you like you're not forced to play blue, and theoretically there are versions of polymorph decks probably out there that would like to just be mono red or red and a different color, and this allows you to do that. Yeah, I'm in. Yep. I'm in on that. Uh and, and, Carrie Zev's expertise. This is the first of the expertise we're gonna talk about. I think we can talk about all three at once. Um the three relevance ones, the white, the red, and the black one. Um, this one is gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn and tap it, it gains haste. And then you can cast a card with converted merits two or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Threaten is a card that is always fine. It always needs to be attached to something slightly more powerful for it to be good Zealous and constructed. Zealous Conscript is a good example, um, which is a, a creature that has this effect for a permanent. Um, so this giving you the ability to steal a Tarmogoyf Sand just get in for some damage is really good. The thing that I like about this card, but in, in all the expertise cards that's really important is the ability to cast the other spell. This one is only two, but and, and obviously people, the broken thing you can do, there's two big broken things. There's You can play fuse cards for, or you can play um, du double cards for the other half, the more expensive half for cheaper. So the, most, the prime example is Boom Bust yep. or Beckon Call which spiked recently because <laughs> of this. Yeah. Um, and that's generally effect because you're cheating mana. You're getting a six mana spell for free. 
Um, and then suspend cards that have no cost. And so suspend cards with zero cost. Yeah. Ancestral vision, wheel of fate, uh, the white one, restore balance. Um, those are the kind of cards we're talking about. Seems really good. Um, even on a, even on a simpler level, on a base level, um, if you wanted to build some sort of aggressive red threatening fling kind of deck, which people sometimes try mm-hmm. to do, the fact that this thing on turn three steals a creature and then it gets to cost cast the fling from your hand for free sure. or whatever spell you have is pretty totally yeah, reasonable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I think the, I think anytime there's free things involved with spells, uh, cheated costs, they tend to be very powerful. And the yeah. fact this is in a standard mana curve or a modern mana curve is pretty impressive. And I, I think this one specifically is the one that I imagine being used the most to do dumb, unfair things. Yeah. Like do be about like, this is a deck about casting balance. Yeah. Like, right. Cause restore balance exists. That's balance for three mana with this card. If you have that yep. in your hand, if you have ancestral visions in your hand, it's ancestral. You know, you're casting threaten and then draw three cards, which is like a very pushed card. If you cast this with boom bust, you destroy. You're playing Armageddon for three mana. Yeah. So like, there's this combos with a lot of different cards in the format in a really interesting way. And there's other cards that kind of play in that space. So it's definitely an interesting way to playing the card. Yeah, I guess the other thing to re- uh, to recognize here is that um, just because. You don't necessarily have to. They don't have a creature, but you need to get your thing off. You can target your own creature. Yeah, and yeah still yeah. get your thing off. Like in fact, I think that's the more because I don't in the boom bust strategy. I think threatening their creature and then casting boom bust is a bad move because then they have a creature. A creature. Yeah. The thing you can do with restore balance, which is why I restore balance more, is you can steal their creature. They have zero creatures. You cast restore balance off of this, sacking their creature. Yeah. Right. So so you can use yeah so that's that's I think where the real play is there yeah there's I yeah, mean legitimate sweet. things uh, so the other ones the the white one is uh, two white white create three colorless artifact or color servo artifact creature tokens and then you can make cast a converted man cost three or less this goes in the token decks and I think those decks definitely will take advantage of this you cast lingering souls off of this gets five tokens in the play you can cast. Uh, the you know the the uh, enchantment that pumps everything intangible virtue yeah. you can play a removal spell it just does you know any of these cards that cast something like playing a four mana get three tokens is not a thing that is ridiculous in that deck can you play um, spectral procession off this or is processions cost six I think you no I think you can play spectral I don't I would not bet my life on that okay I don't know I'm not sure on either way hmm. internet tell us on Twitter yeah, at Cast Wiley that. at Ben Bateman at them and cast yeah. Uh, and the last one is Yahini's Expertise, which is the safest one, I think, of these in the play. Yeah. Um, black, black, colorless. All creatures get minus three, minus three. Uh, you can cheat with th- converted man cost three or less. The key with this card, more than anything, is people are talking about the magical Christmas land. Everything in the Grixis deck is three mana or less other than Tassiger. So, like, this and getting a Liliana of the Veil is really good. Because part of that is also because you swipe away all the small creatures... You yeah. get rid of all their like dirtily smaller creatures, and then you can play Liliana to get rid of their one big creature that they survived the minus three minus three, or you have Colgan's command, so you can then use the two damage to kill the five X five, like you know an X five Tarmogoyf. So like, there's Seems a sweet. lot of things that this card does that are just good with the cards you regularly have. Not to mention the fact that it gets to cast Ancestral Visions for free. Yeah, I think this card's totally legit. Seems awesome. The question uh, is, how much better is it than Anger of the Gods? And I think the value off of it and the ability to do unfair things is possibly a point above Anger of the Gods versus the Exile. That's less relevant now because Dredge is worse. Uh, this is just one of those, you remember where you were things. I'll, I'll go off it in five seconds. Uh, the Raiders are moving to Vegas. They just filed the paperwork this morning. Right now. Just got announced. Nice. That's crazy. I'd, 
I mean, that's a big deal. It's the NFL. The team's moving to Vegas. There's going to be a Vegas football team. Yeah, they've been they've been building a stadium for a while now. We're just figuring out. The Raiders are the, least, the most likely one. I, to I mean, there. people were talking about it. I just mean, like, it's official. It just got filed. The paperwork cool. was filed this morning. Crazy. Anyway, keep going. I don't think that's a remember where, like, remember where you were well, moments what if are you, like. What if you grow up like in 25 years moon. and you're a fan of the Vegas Raiders and you had to raise a kid and he's a fan and you're like, I remember when I was, you know what I'm saying? That won't happen. My, All right. my kid. <laughs> All right. I don't. I don't know how to imagine that. Uh, metallic rebuke is two colorless and a blue. Uh, instant improvise mana leak. <laughs> yeah, this one's this one's sort of awkward because I I can't decide how I feel about improvise. I think it's really good. I think it's really interesting. I want it to just be cost reducer, not have to tap something you have in play as a cost reducer. That would be called affinity, affinity and yeah. was one of the more broken mechanics ever. Predicted. I know, and I keep looking at it and feeling like it's affinity, but then being like it's not affinity. Well, I think originally it was affinity, and then they moved away from it because right. affinity was too dangerous. Um, I think I think this effect. I think this card's good. I, I like. I think any deck that plays some artifacts will have an interest in this deck, and I think Affinity can take advantage of this very well. Um, yeah, totally. Because yeah. the thing with Affinity is, like, Memnite is the card that keeps flashing in my eyes every time I think of any of the improvised cards, because that's a card that you play more because you need an artifact that can attack, but is bad. So, like, you have this free Memnite just sitting around, or Ornithopters that are just not doing anything unless you have a way to pump them. I mean, I guess, yeah, on, on the subject of, like, zero mana artifacts, there's 12 you can play, 12 copies you can play that aren't already mana. So, I guess if you include Opal, there's... Yeah. Well, that's... 16, yeah. right? And so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Considering Opal gets you the colored mana you need. Yeah. I mean, on, like, turn two, you play, like, this Memnite Ornithopter. Yeah. And you have an untapped blue source. Like, you now have one mana mana leak. So whatever to, your opponent's turn two play is. Yeah, I guess if you, I guess you need blue, and then you can cast Word of Invention to do whatever the f you want later. Yeah. So, uh, another affinity card, Pia's Revolution. Uh, w this is the one that is popular online. I don't know how much play this will be, but two red, two and a red. Uh, whenever a non-token artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return the card to your hand unless target opponent has Pia's Revolution. Deal three damage to him or her. I really don't like Punisher cards. Yeah. This one is maybe pushed to infinity because eventually they get to the point where three damage will kill them, but at that point, you're killing them. Yeah, uh, Punisher cards, when Kessler says that, what he means are cards where you give the opponent the choice. You of damage or this effect. Yeah, Brow Browbeat, classically, is one of the ones that always gets talked about. Yeah. Um, There's been it? a few, okay, uh, the Devils. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Devils, uh, Dash Hopes was the black counter spell yeah, that never really... The, every time it happens, it's just the opponent picks the worst one for you. Yeah. It's always like you you, you think about, like, oh, this will be good in every situation. And then when you need it late in the game, you draw it, you always get the worst version. Yeah. And, and the thing to kind of think about it is there's a reason charms are good. Like, you getting options makes a good card. Giving your opponent options makes it a bad card. Yeah. <laughs> for the exact same reason, kind of. Um, War of Invention. Uh, blue, blue, blue. X. Improvise. Search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it on the battlefield and shuffle your library. The key to this card not being exactly just artifact. Um, Court of Calling. Court of Calling is, man, uh, is that Improvise <laughs> can't tap for the colored mana. Yeah. So you can't tap it for blue mana, um, which makes it just you need triple blue, which is a really steep thing. But getting, th this is very reshapey. This is now reshapey, reshape five through eight. At, yeah. a very, at the very least, and 
beyond that, you'll probably do other powerful things. And probably reshape B and probably better because it's instant speed and it can be end of turn. And like, think about this and think about this in the aforementioned architect Pelipala deck. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I no, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get Pelipala. We're joking, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think I think you're right. I think there. This is this is a card that we'll see some amount of play. I just don't know exactly what it is, and the cost is real of triple blue versus. Uh, quarter calling, which the triple green was not a real cost. Well, not only that, but remember... Because green creatures could tap for green. This is not only a good card to get your Peely Paul, but this is also your win condition. This also gets you anything. So you just all you have to have is one artifact in your deck that can win with infinite mana, and this oh, becomes the card that gets it. Which we, we've talked about. Which is why this is good. And this is, I mean, because for the longest time in that deck, it was always trying to figure out how do you have a blue creature that interacts with Architect that also can sink your mana into? I already fixed this for you. I know you did. <laughs> we already have the perfect card in Ballist. Ba- Ballist? Ballista? Walking Ballista. There, thank you. Yeah. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> Paradox Engine, five mana. When you cast a spell, untap all non-land permits you control. Legendary Artifact. People are talking about this as like yeah. an Ascension card too. It's five mana, which is a lot, I feel like, for standard. But I also feel like it's a card that if you cast it, you likely win. It's a combo piece. Yeah. Uh, next, Planar Bridge. I don't like. I don't know what you would do with this card. I'm not of the mindset to figure out what is possible with Paradox Engine. People are talking about it though. It wasn't six mana. Oh, it's five mana. Whenever you play a non-land permanent, untap all non-land yeah. permanents. So it just you can it can go infinite with tapping and untapping with lots of ways. Yeah, it's not very hard to figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the next one planer over. I mean, like any this Gilded Lotus and any of the creatures that enter the battlefield, you can return a creature to your hand, like just as infinite mana. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, two, the two drop ones. The thing is, and as Corey and Which I mentioned a bad one, but last week about combos in modern, there's a lot of three com- three card combos we didn't talk about. So, like, if you want to assemble a three card combo, like, go go for it. There's you can play. Yeah, yeah. You can play. You training grounds, filigree sages, and colony gem was legal in it's sure, and that was a thing that was like impossible to make work. Well, but like in this, the difference is that playing a bunch of artifact mana is always good. Yeah. True. Like the, the 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 third card for the combo is just a ton of really very easy to play artifact mana that then lets you cast this early. Yeah. What was the what was the keep going? There's some stupid yeah. mirror thing that I I think was infinite. I'm gonna find out. Go. Okay. Uh, Planar Bridge. Oh, your t- time Steve and the. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. It's much worse. <laughs> Planar Bridge. Six mana. Uh, legendary artifact. Eight mana. Tap it. Search your library for a permanent card. Put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. People have been keep asking us about this card, so that's why I want to bring it up for Tron sideboards. That's a lot of mana to not get the Emrakul cast trigger. Yeah. At sorcery speed. Yeah. Agreed. Kind of. It doesn't seem good enough to me. It like just you tap out on turn three, do nothing, die. Then on turn four, yeah. maybe cast eight mana to get em- like I, I think just the, what the deck Tron is doing already is more powerful than this. Yeah. I'd rather play just Ulamog. Yes. Or Emrakul, even. Yep. Uh, two copies of Mirror Galvanizer and Palladium Mirror is infinite colorless mana. That was in standard at oh, one point. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, anytime you have a three-card combo where you need two of the same card... And that's just that's, to that's get infinite mana, by the way. much less likely yeah. to be good. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. There's a billion of them. All right. This is the last card. Spire of Industry. This is the only land on my list. Uh, one colorless. Add pay one... Uh, you can tap it to pay one to get one mana of a colorless variety and you can tap it to pay one life and add one man of any color as long as you have an artifact in play i mean i think this will see a ton of play it's a I weird think. it's a weird like glimmer void city of brass hybrid sort yeah of, uh it's, it's, it's totally exactly fine that. yeah yeah i think it's it's 
You need it's both. I think it's a great card for people that want to build Infinity and don't want to drop thirty to forty dollars on Glimmer Void. And I think it's a great card for decks that don't have artifacts very early, but will have artifacts. So like Tesserator decks, where turn one you might not have it, but you might need to play a land this as your land on turn one or two and not have an artifact. And this lets you not have it just get sacked. And yep. doesn't have blowouts where someone plays Shattering Spree and you lose your land because you have no artifacts in play. Um, it, yeah, it, it, the loss of life is relevant, but then you also don't have to pay colored mana for it. So I think it's fine. The single coolest thing about Kaladesh and Aetherable to me is that clearly we have design space to build a whole new a whole new swath of decks. And yeah, that's what's really cool about this set. It's like it seems like all the everything we kept talking about here was either. Five through eight for effects that we wanted more of, or like this is an interesting thing we haven't seen before. But it was not a lot of like this is just a similar version of something that'll slot right into Jund, or like this is going to slot right into yeah. this deck. I didn't feel like we said a lot of that. And even even the cards that are going to slot in the decks, just like obviously like Fatal Push, like open the doors in really fascinating ways for a bunch of stuff. Yeah, like the fact that Fatal Push lets Esper have the eight removal spells needed to be a real deck, or let's. Uh, Saltai, same deal, is like fascinating. The yeah. fact that like walking ballista like just easily slots in so many places and does interesting things in all of those places. Because um, we didn't even get into like the fact that like walking ballista in a deck like uh, like with Kitchen Finks and the green white land that puts counters on everything is just like weirdly very good. Yeah, totally. Like it, walking ballista and Malira is like just not Malira. Uh, Anafenza is just decent. Yeah. Totally sweet. Totally sweet. Like, there's there's so many cool things that this set is doing, and in cool, interesting ways. They've been Wizards has done a really good job. I've talked about a lot th- this a lot recently of making the second sets like great. Like, Eldritch Moon was really cool, doing really cool things. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oath of the Gatewatch created a sixth color for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Like every one of these second sets has done something really, really interesting, and this one isn't on the same level from a like. Overall, like Emrakul didn't show up, or yeah. we didn't create a new color, but like every card in it, like when I was draft, I drafted it for the second time, or drafted it for the first time, played it the second time last night, um, or no, two nights ago, and like just drafting, like every card here has like a weird, interesting, cool ability, like the blue, even the second thrumming bird. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know this card existed. Yeah, there's like. And they're like new new mechanics, like the fact that Red now has uh, frost lands. Yeah, and can frost the land is really cool. I don't yeah. know. Like I'm I'm really loving this set. I'm really loving what Wizards is doing with second sets in general. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think it's really cool. And I hope I hope this isn't a ramification based on them having the hyper rotation. And I hope it's more based on the fact that they now only do two sets a block. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to lose that creative spark. Yeah. Because they're afraid of power level. Agreed. So yeah, that's that kind of is my thesis statement for this episode. Yeah, right we're wrapped. I think we're wrapped up on uh, on our Ether Revolt review. So uh, we'll be back next week yep. uh, with cool ideas for new things to talk about in Magic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think there's something I want to talk about. We'll, we'll, I forget what. Well, no previews. We'll surprise you. Okay. Uh, and uh, we'll make sure to follow us on Twitter at the MMCast. I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bait Media. Make sure to check, uh, go to collected.company to find us and check out uh, the Command Zone, our sister podcast. They do awesome content. Make sure to check Josh's cool argument videos with the professor, the debate videos. Make sure to cat, uh, check the video, uh, the commander video, the Knights 
uh, game nights with uh, me co-hosting or guest starring. Cool. Doing cool things. I played that in the Geist deck. You guys got to see my all foil Geist deck on camera, which is sweet. And get to learn what I look like if you don't know what I look like. Um, and make sure to check Ben's episode on Armageddon. Sweet. Yeah, it was good. It was funny. Yeah, AMA. Uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Thanks. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.